Welcome to At Ease, a podcast for colored girls who fled corporate when six figures wasn't enough. Whether you decided to quietly quit, took a leap of faith, pursued your passion over a paycheck, or are building a side hustle, join me each week as we redefine success by reshaping our minds. I combine my lived experience and conversations with entrepreneurs and Black women to leverage thought work, to reconnect with our bodies, combat burnout, and build businesses. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 6 of At Ease. This episode, we start out talking about Beyonce and end up reflecting on the gifts and talents that we all have to offer the world. So this morning I was on the way to school with the boys and one of them says, mommy, I want to listen to Comfortable In My Skin. I'm like, what is he talking about? I said, is that a song? And he says, yes. And He sings a little tune and I'm like, oh, he's talking about Cozy, the Beyonce song. And so I put it on and I'm watching this kid in the rearview mirror and he goes to somewhere else. He's no longer in the car with us. I mean, he closes his eyes. He's like touching the skin. (laughs) He's touching his face. He's touching his arms and kind of mouthing the words that he knows (laughs) in the song and is just having like this amazing time listening to this song. And I was in awe. I was in awe. I'm pretty sure I've played the new album around them, but you just never know what they're paying attention to. And the song goes off and his brother requests something else. And he's like, I love my skin, mommy. I love my skin, my brown skin. (laughs) And I just had to take a moment after they, after I dropped them off, I had to take a moment after I dropped them off to just sit in gratitude that at four years old, my son, my brown skin son can say, he's comfortable in his skin, that he's present to it. And I said, man, Beyonce, that was good. (laughs) That was good. And, you know, I have my own moments with the song and feeling how I feel, but it's different when you see a child impacted. So on the way home, I went down a Beyonce rabbit hole. I reminisced about when my water broke during her Coachella performance. I was having my own Coachella moment in my bedroom. Um, And I was just thinking about how she had to say yes. That even though, you know, Beyonce has been in the industry for a long time, We could say that she was a child star. She still had to say yes. There are plenty of people who are talented who choose 
to use their talents elsewhere or not use them at all. And so because Beyonce said yes, and I, a whole bunch of other people said yes too, right? <laughs> a whole bunch of people had to say yes in order for the album, in order for that song, in order for that moment for my son to happen. And yet you never know your impact. You never know the full impact from your yes. And this episode is about your yes. What are you saying yes to? What gifts are you sitting on? What ways are you saying no? Not just to yourself, but to the person who you don't know who will be impacted by what you have to offer. Hope you enjoyed the episode. What gifts are you sitting on? What gifts are being underutilized because you have a belief or you have a lived experience that tells you that your gift is not valuable? I came to a point in my career where I needed to make a choice. I was doing a job that I really didn't enjoy and I often found myself bumping heads with management. The type of work that I was doing that was not conducive to how I like to operate. <laughs> and the work environment was very rigid, very old school. And I wanted something different. And by old school, what do I mean by that? Transparently, I was belittled in the workplace for the way that I dressed. Um, honestly, I went to a pretty conservative school for undergrad and where we were taught to wear black navy black or navy skirt suits and pantyhose <laughs> and my first job was still in the vicinity still in the same region as that school and while i still dressed what i deemed to be professional it was different from the way people had been dressing there for the last, let's say 20, 30 years. So instead of a black skirt, I might've put on a turquoise dress <laughs> with a black blazer and my heels. And I, that's, I, I had a certain way that I love to dress and show up that made me feel good. And I was often talked about or talked down to um, as being a little girl or, you know, where's your, where's your stockings? Where's your this? Where's your that? I'm like, it's 90 degrees outside. So we're not going to do this. And so I wanted something different. There was an opening in another department. And I remember people saying, ah, don't go over there. It's dead. You're never going to grow. There's nothing for you to learn. That type of work is going to be obsolete in a couple of years. But what I saw is that everyone who got into that department eventually got out of the organization and fairly quickly. And so I didn't listen to what people said. I went over there and it ended up being one of the best decisions that I made in my career because it was the thing that nobody else wanted to do. It opened up 
a ton of opportunities for me to travel, to get experience early on in my career that most people in the field never get. And that is how I moved up pretty quick, quickly. I moved up doing what you would call the icky stuff. I did the things that nobody else wanted to do. And we were still kind of considered the redheaded stepchildren of the HR world. So I didn't do staffing. I didn't do recruitment. I wasn't doing labor and employer relations. My area expertise was called classification. And depending on how an organization is set up, classification can run the gamut between writing position descriptions, evaluating those descriptions, creating pay systems, designing organizations when there needed to be a reduction in force or any type of workforce reshaping, reorganizing, we were the first stop. I worked for an organization for six years that reorganized a third of the workforce every single year. And so I got really, really good at org structure, org redesign, reorganizations, all of that stuff. So over time, especially where I was working, we were perceived as something that was in the way of progress, a box that you had to check, something that was regulatory that you had to get over to get the end result that you wanted. If I want to hire somebody, we got to stop at classification. If I want to discipline with some discipline somebody, I got to stop at classification. I have to get this part right first. So that narrative began to chip away at my perceived value how I perceived my value in the workplace. And so you can imagine how shocked I was when one day I was talking to my real estate agent and I learned that she used to do the exact same thing that I did at my job, she did as an entrepreneur for daycare centers. I was like, what? <laughs> You help stand up daycare centers. You help build organizations. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, people pay you for that? <laughs> and she said, yes, honey, they do. And I was just frozen in shock. You're telling me that somewhere in the world, there are people who think that my skill set, that what I have to offer is valuable? And I remember saying like, dang, I got a skill set that's valuable. That same week, I'm talking to another friend who also happened to be a real estate agent in a different state. And I found out that he had been paying $300 a month for someone to tell him, not even really tell him, for someone to help his assistant put together an SOP manual for his business, how they listed houses, how they worked with transaction coordinators for $300 a month. He tells me there's over 50 people in this course or program who are all learning the same thing. And I shouldn't say over 50 people, over 50 real estate agents in this program paying $300 a month, learning how to put an operations manual together for selling houses. And I said to him, you know, that's what I do for a living, right? Like besides all of the reorg stuff, 
by nature of working for the Department of Defense, I mean, in any business or any major organization, anyways, you're always going to have things in writing. But you can imagine working for the military. Military is constantly coming and going. Every couple of years, they're turning over. And so the way that things are done are clearly documented. And so whether or not that is your job, it is your job. It is it's going to be somewhere in your position description that you are going to have to document the things that you do. And every single time as a supervisor or leader, if I came into an organization and they did not have their processes documented, that was one of the first things that I tackled, not just for me and my employees, but also for the customers that we service. And so my mind was blown. <laughs> my friend who I talk to all the time is paying $300 a month for some stuff that I do on a regular basis with over 50 other people who were doing the same. And I like did some quick math. I'm like, okay, that's pretty good money. <laughs> and you're only meeting with them for an hour a week? And then I sent a text to some of my girlfriends who are working for themselves. And I just said, hey guys, do you, do you need SOPs? Is that a thing? Do you guys look at how your organization is built or how you're growing as, an, as a business and as an organization? And the response from almost every single one of them was like, oh shit, you do this, don't you? I was like, yes, <laughs> that's what I've been doing for years. And I had this light bulb moment of like, oh my gosh, I have value. I have a skill set that is valuable. But just because I was in a space where someone couldn't see it or they perceived me to be a hindrance, a blockage or a bump in the road to get where they wanted to go, I eventually learned and eventually started to see struggle in myself. But when I took that same skill set and put it into another space, the perceived value went up. In reality, nothing changed. I had the same skill set that I had had for years, but my awareness around how that skill set could be perceived as valuable did. It shifted. The reality is just because managers, leadership didn't want to have to deal with classification, didn't want to have to come through my team, did not take away from the value of the service that we provided. I could have had a different thought of, well, clearly it's valuable <laughs> because the team keeps growing. We keep getting more customers. Other offices are modeling their processes and procedures after the way that we're doing things. Those are all things that were happening that I could not see at the time. And so when I think about my friend, my friend who's an agent who was paying this money to have this operations manual built, that is value added for all of his future clients who are going to receive a better quality of service because he's able to systemize his operations. There are people who are going to get a yes 
because he took the time and saw the value. So for you, it may not be the skill set at your job where you have a belief that what you're doing is not valuable. But is there anywhere in your life where you can look and realize that you're giving yourself a no, that you're saying no, that you are decreasing your value because you're the only person, your thoughts, your beliefs are the only thing that are going to create value. It's no different than a handbag or a designer. Those things only have value because we say they do. If everyone stops buying handbags or refuses to pay thousands of dollars for them, they lose their value. We give things meaning. And so is there an area in your life where you are devaluing yourself or a skill set? Is there a place where you are telling yourself no, where a simple yes could not just mean a yes for you, but could be a yes for business owners, for real estate agents, or for brown boys who now acknowledge and know at age four that they love their brown skin. What I've realized is that when I get caught up in this story around I'm not worthy, what I have to offer is not valuable, it's about myself. It's the, the focus is on me. When I focus outward, when I think about impact, or when I'm not attached to the result, the fear, the doubt, it melts away. So what skill sets may you be sitting on? Where are you doubting yourself or devaluing yourself? And how is that serving? your community, the world, and even you. Did something resonate with you during this episode? Maybe you realize that there's some gifts and some skills that you've been sitting on for far too long. Send me a DM on Instagram. I'm at kristen.bab. I'd love to hear from you. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you like what you hear, please leave me a five-star review and share with a friend. I hope to see you back here next week for another episode. And until then, at ease.